Hello, welcome. Thank you for listening to First Responder Psychological Support. I'm Sarah Gura. I'm a master's level licensed clinical professional counselor in the state of Illinois and a licensed mental health counselor in Florida. My practice is the self-care path in Lake Mary, Florida, where I treat first responders. And first and foremost, let's take a nice deep breath in. And on the exhale, hopefully you can just mindfully release any tension in the body and at your own pace, continue to notice your breath. You don't have to interfere with it. Just sometimes noticing your breath, which is a wonderful lifelong companion, is helpful enough. Our breath says so much about how we are doing and what we're thinking or feeling and where our body is. And if you can take a moment to locate your body, we have such busy days, we get outside of our bodies and we can come into them by grounding through our feet. You can ground through your hip bones. You can pull those shoulders down and away from your ears. Spread your fingers like starfish. Relax your jaw and just allow yourself to listen. So one of the things I want to do in this podcast is say that this will be my last one on this particular channel. I have created a new podcast for my work in Florida. It is called Mindset and it's on the same program which is Anchor. You'll be able to find it on Spotify, um, Apple, and Google just the same. Uh, I believe it's something like www.anchor.fm backslash Sarah-Gura3. If that's wrong, and it could be since I didn't write it down, typing it on the internet, Mindset Sarah Gura, it should pop up. Same thing if you do that on Spotify. So one of the last things I'm going to do is talk about borderline personality disorder. I really was hitting this uh, diagnosis quite a bit in Illinois and coming to Florida, I see the same. And we usually don't like to talk about diagnoses. Nobody wants to be diagnosed with a psychological issue. But I really want to encourage people to never mind the stigma and just look at it for what it is so that you can understand yourself better. Now, borderline personality disorder, I think, is very easily missed in the first responder world. And what I mean by that, it's misdiagnosed, it's misunderstood, it's usually not diagnosed even Um, and if it was maybe the treatment would be super helpful so i want to go over what it is Uh, but before i do that i also want to talk about maybe the controversial idea of going against the grain of saying that I think I've treated a lot of borderline personality disorder in the first responder world. 
And the reason it seems maybe off or unexpected or controversial is because this diagnosis um, statistically is given to women a whole lot more. And in my experience, I work mostly with a male population, as we know, uh, because of police, fire, and military being male-dominated careers. But when I notice the BPD, the Borderline Personality Disorder Diagnosis, and I have approached it the way I have as you've listened in this podcast, or I use Buddhist psychology and existentialism, even cognitive behavioral therapy, um, it's super helpful to the person sitting across from me who's asking for help. And one of the therapies that I haven't really mentioned is DBT. And sometimes I've just consciously chose to not say it because sometimes people are aware that borderline personality disorder and dialectical behavioral treatment therapy or DBT are linked together. But DBT is super helpful for any human being. So without further ado, right, get to the point, Sarah, let's talk about what it is and maybe also what it is not. So I'm sitting and I'm looking right at my DSM-5 and it's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. The fifth edition is what we're in. It's written by the American Psychiatric Association. It provides us with the criteria for our you know, diagnosis codes um, and for our understanding of you know, what might come into the office. So anyway, borderline personality disorder. Uh, it is a pervasive pattern of instability in someone's relationships, in how they see themselves, how they experience their emotion. Uh, there is marked impulsivity, and usually this starts really young in a different and vari variety of contexts, and that's how it reads. So it's just a basic description. And I'm going to now read the criteria. I'm just going to go in order. The first one for borderline is there are frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment. So abandonment and rejection are huge triggers to the person that has borderline personality disorder, which I hate saying disorder. Uh, in my view, my experience personally in this world, everyone has some version of borderline personality disorder. Like nobody likes rejection. Nobody likes abandonment. Both of those things would trigger anyone to not feel well. But in this case, they are especially sensitive to abandonment and rejection. And what that does as far as what I see in the first responder world is we get a bunch of overachievers, a bunch of A-plus students, a bunch of people who want to overdo and outperform to show how valuable they are. And sometimes the underlying issue there is I cannot stand rejection and I don't want to give anyone a reason to abandon me. So I'm gonna to try to be as close to perfect 
as possible. And of course that causes all kinds of issues in a human being. But number one is frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment. Um, criteria number two, there is a pattern of unstable and intense interpersonal relationships characterized by extremes. They are either idolizing someone or they're completely devaluing them. Now this can happen with the fire department or police department, with leadership, friends, family members, especially spouses though, is what I'm noticing. So this pattern of, of unstable and intense personal relationships are either super fantastic, very amazing, just absolutely incredible in one moment, but in another, it could be, fuck you, I hate you. It's sort of like this push-pull, I love you, don't leave me, I love you, get the fuck away from me <laughs> kind of experience. And it's unhealthy, to say the least. But again, something that I often observe and have to treat um, in the therapy office. Number three identity disturbance. There's markedly and persistently an unstable self-image or sense of self in this particular personality type. Um, in the police and fire world, self-image, reputation, what people are known for, how their body appears, what their body is capable of doing, all of that, you know, is significantly important in the first responder world and it puts a lot of pressure on everybody but in this particular personality it's it gets really unstable and a lot of that has to do with the other symptoms that i have already mentioned and that i will mention um, they don't want to be rejected or abandoned over self-image issues or their sense of self sometimes in therapy i find myself repeating you are not for everyone. And I try to teach people to say, I am not for everyone, to help people back off of the idea that they have to look or be a certain way so that everyone in the world thinks they're wonderful. When you want everyone in the world to think that you are wonderful, you are struggling with rejection and abandonment issues a lot of the time. So that is what number three seems to be about. Number four, there's impulsivity in at least two areas that are potentially self-sabotaging to this person with borderline personality disorder. And to give you a couple examples, there are a lot of police and fire who just do not spend their money well. They don't save, they don't plan ahead, they might be gambling, um, they might have some sexual behaviors that are inappropriate, um, things that could sabotage a long-term committed relationship, a marriage, a family dynamic. There could be substance abuse issues, you know, so an impulsive use of something that's self-damaging is what we're talking about here. And that comes a lot in the form of alcohol and more recently a lot of THC users. Uh, but substance abuse can be 
you know, one or more of many, many things. They also might be reckless drivers or road ragers. Um, some of you may experience even something like binge eating, overeating, eating unhealthy foods, not hydrating appropriately, uh, things like this. And that impulsivity in that self-damaging area is definitely a feature of a borderline personality. Number five is recurrent suicidal behavior, gestures, threats, or self-mutilating behavior. Now, this is one that many of my clients don't circle. You only need five of these out of nine, but this one is circled the least until we start talking about, well, are your tattoos a fuck the world tattoo? So when you have a fuck the world tattoo, sometimes you engage in externalizing your internal pain. Um, some of you work out relentlessly or injure yourselves and then continue to re-injure. So any self-harming behavior, sometimes I will note to the person sitting across from me might make that criteria for number five. We could give it a half a point, <laughs> okay? Um, let's think about number six next. Affective instability. So what does that mean? Affective with an A. In psychology, that means your emotions, your range of affect, meaning how do you feel and what kind of feelings do you experience. Affective instability due to reactivity of mood, it says. So if you're a very reactive person, you get triggered, you react, you use a behavior that's impulsive. Those things are definitely a feature of a borderline personality. And I think a lot of times other therapists are like, oh, no, 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 he just has an anger management problem. Or no, I think he might just be depressed. Or no, this is just, you know, all the trauma built up, which I agree a lot of uh, personality issues, well, any personality issues can be, you know, traced back to early childhood traumas. But first responders often don't buy that. They'll tell me that their childhood was basically good. And in that case, I would want you to read a book called Hard to Love. And as I'm talking, I will try to look up who wrote Hard to Love. <laughs> and maybe I'll mention it in just a little bit. But that book was written by a psychologist for men specifically um, who have borderline personality disorder. And as some of you know, uh, back in Illinois, we used that book to understand what was going on and how we could get better. And in Florida here, we're just trying to introduce the idea that any man with a borderline personality or a borderline feature is going to be hard to love. And I did, in fact, pull that book up while we we're talking. So it's by Joseph Nowinski. He's got a doctorate in psychology. Again, the book is called Hard to Love, Understanding and Overcoming Male Borderline Personality Disorder. 
Okay, so back to this mood thing. A lot of dudes can be irritable. They have free-floating anxiety. They could be angry and even have like really intense episodic dysphoria. And a lot of the times they will never mind that and be like, well, I got triggered and I got over it fast. Or I'm not really an angry person. It's just that this thing happened. But that instability and that reactivity is something to look at. We often don't require that in men. We do require women to behave themselves. Men, we might say, yeah, boys are being boys or he's just, you know, blowing off steam. He'll be fine. But it is actually not emotionally intelligent to do that. And patterns of that throughout your adulthood is a concern, especially for your family members. Because the other thing about this is that a lot of dudes keep their shit together in the first responder world. And they are likable, they are lovable, they are effective at their job, and they're skilled and talented at what they do. So how could this person have a personality disorder? Or they get along with their shift, they're a really great supervisor. Um, sometimes they're not, because borderline can be a little uh, crazy pants. Uh, in a in a jam in an emotional jam but for the most part uh, you guys are keeping it together and falling apart at home and in those personal relationships where you expect to be safe and you know sort of give yourself permission or allow yourself to let loose so anyway that is number six which was pretty uh, long explanation so I'll get moving on number seven chronic feelings of emptiness. Um, this usually is one of the things that will bring a first responder who is borderline into the therapy office. That almost depressive emptiness, what's the meaning of my life, why am I here, I'm constantly dealing in human illness, death, suffering, stupidity, property destruction, um, politics and bullshit. And in that, that stuff can seem to be the thing to blame. But again, with personality issues and personality patterns that don't get well with basic therapeutic interventions, then I start to notice, okay, this is maybe more leaning into that borderline personality. Number eight is inappropriate, intense anger or difficulty controlling anger. So there's a lot of or frequent displays of your temper, constant anger. There might even be physically or physical fights happening um, or at least expressions of that. Hopefully you're channeling it more appropriately if you do experience that need to just release the, the aggressive tension in your body. But that is definitely another feature of borderline personality disorder. In fact, it's number eight. Number nine, transient stress-related paranoid ideation or severe dissociative symptoms. What was that? <laughs> so this just means passing paranoid thinking when you're stressed out. So it doesn't always last forever, maybe just a few hours while that stress is happening, but you think maybe my boss is out to get me, that lieutenant's trying to screw up my career, 
I'm paranoid about, you know, what's going to happen when I go back on shift or what my wife is doing when I'm not at home or what's going on with my friend uh, or friend group. And maybe they all don't like me or they, they don't approve of me, something like this. So these are the essential features or diagnostic criteria of a borderline personality disorder. And again, I see it everywhere in the world, but I do especially see it in the first responder world. I don't always see um, the narcissism. Narcissism's main feature is grandiosity, so the grandiose sense of self. And a lot of times those people treat others like objects permanently and consistently. So a narcissist will, you know, use you for the good of them. And the minute that you are not good for them, they will dispose of you like an object that's no longer serving them. And does that happen sometimes? Yes, in the first responder world. But more so, I see that borderline side where you guys love your significant others, whether that's, you know, a dating partner or even a friends with benefits, someone you're going to be engaged to or are engaged to, or even a lifelong um, spouse in a, in a marriage. There's, there's a lot of connection there, but it also is turbulent with the anger and the emptiness and the impulsivity of a borderline personality disorder. And then there's the frantic efforts to clean it up, fix it. And in many ways, it's sort of like the domestic violence cycle. So if you remember in training, learning about domestic violence and responding to it, you may have learned that there is this like tension building phase that that couple will go through. And then they actually have their fight, whether that's emotional um, or physical, sexual, both or a combination of. And then they chill out, they relax, and there's this honeymoon phase. And borderlines tend to constantly go through that. And the honeymoon phase is truly a honeymoon phase. It's, you know, very loving and connected, unlike the other personality disorders um, that we have listed in the DSM-5. And so I'm not looking at narcissism as much, even though we tend to call men narcissistic and we call women borderline. Um, I really think that we need to open our eyes or redo some of the research and take a look at what's happening or what does persistent exposure to trauma and traumatic events or potentially traumatic events do to a person? You know, does it have that effect of borderline personality disorder. So what do we do about this? You know, what do we do when our personal relationships are not only unsatisfactory, they're a little chaotic and unhealthy? It becomes really important to put your ego to the side and to take a look at what's going on with you and when we notice what's going on, we create that self-awareness of what our patterns are. And when we recognize our patterns, we're able to choose to change a little easier. And to keep this podcast brief and to the point, 
um, I just want to say there's four things that I try to guide people through as mindfully as I can when they have borderline personality features or the actual diagnosis. Number one is distress tolerance. So distress, distress tolerance is significantly important to be high functioning in the world. Now, a lot of first responders will tell me, uh, Sarah, I'm a first responder. I have amazing distress tolerance. And you are right. You can go into a burning building. You can handle people that are missing limbs. You can handle someone yelling in, in your face. I understand. But somehow that all gets lost when you go home. And that borderline feature shows up where all of a sudden you can't handle dishes in the sink and you can't handle that your wife was late to something and you're freaking out over parenting children when you know they are your student <laughs> like, and they're your forever student and they, they take a lot of time, energy and money to teach. <laughs> so I think it's really important to take a step back and say, wow, what do I need to learn about distress tolerance so that I don't fly off into that borderline you know pattern the second thing once you handle distress tolerance is emotion regulation so what is the difference between the two I like to use Buddhist psychology to help me differentiate so in Buddhist psychology they talk about how you have to deal with your body first if your body is not calm, you're not going to get clarity in your mind. So distress tolerance is mainly about noticing the breath, doing allostasis, which in previous podcasts I explained, that's the journey from being activated and getting yourself to homeostasis. It's using your sympathetic nervous system and getting it down into your parasympathetic nervous system state. So super important to understand how to do that and it, it's all in your posture it's in your breath it's in tension inoculation um, releasing you know uh, uncomfortable energy from your body so that is a lot of what distress tolerance is it's a self-soothing coping skill now emotion regulation you have to have a feelings vocabulary. You have to understand that emotion moves within you. E means exit, motion is movement. If you get triggered, emotion is gonna turn into a set of feelings, psychological feelings and physical feelings. So emotion regulation is not only about purging the emotion safely and appropriately, but also understanding how to live a life worth living. Because if you're constantly flying off the handle and hurting your personal relationships, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> right? You got to give yourself the, the WTF flag there. So we have distress tolerance. We have learning about emotions and feelings and how to regulate them. The third thing is mindfulness. So again, I go back to Buddhism because Buddhism agrees with this path of DBT. And 
Buddhism will say you have to address your body, then you can address your feelings, then your mind can be mindful because you have to use your mind body to get to where you want to go. So mindfulness is having, you know, um, a calm body, a sense of peace in the body as best you can for whatever situation you're in, regulating the emotion, and then being able to use that head-heart connection to think with perspective, with reality-based thinking, with a positive mental attitude, all of those things are going to help you in your personal relationships and in your relationship with yourself. So we're on a great path here and going to hit up number four next. What does the treatment begin to look like for DBT if you think, or for borderline personality disorder, BPD, if you think you might have it? The last one is interpersonal effectiveness. Now, I love this phrase, interpersonal means social, and effectiveness. What is effective in your life? That seems to help first responders, because even though it takes a little bit of sunshine and rainbows to be effective, it takes positivity and some cheesiness to kind of get us through, at least with a sense of humor on some difficult things, Dudes don't like to hear that they have to be flowery. And I understand you were taught that you are not sugar and spice and everything nice. Um, but interpersonal effectiveness is those things. They are respectful. They are kind. Or as I like to say, my little mantra or chant, um, it's love, gratitude, kindness, compassion, and wisdom. And when you can combine those things, you get so much interpersonal effectiveness. It, that's when you're going to use effective communication skills. And you're going to get what you want because you are doing something that is more genuine and authentic to your healthy side. Now, a lot of people with borderline will tell me how bottom line they are, how they don't take any shit, how they're just honest with people. But what they're saying is they have no distress tolerance, so they just fly off the handle and tell people where they're at with no consideration as to what that does to other people. And so this is where we see divorces and distance um, and people just not being able to stay connected because borderline can be kind of chaotic. In fact... Um, one of the sayings about borderline is that they are too sane to be called insane, but they're a little too insane to say that they're sane. <laughs> and some people will smile when I say that and say, oh, that's definitely me. Um, but if it truly is you, it, it will affect you and the people that you love in a devastating way. And when I say devastating, we look at it in mild, moderate, and severe levels. And most of what I see is mild in the first responder world, but the treatment of DBT and Buddhist psychology, and even using EMDR to handle some of the traumas where all these patterns started, is like super helpful to that person. Um, and the relationships improve and they feel more dominant, more alpha, more confident, in other words, 
or if I use the chakras within their body, they feel grounded, they feel more productive, they feel more confident, they like themselves more, they find their voice a lot easier, there's a more connection, like they have a sense of like, oh wow, I was really missing out, um, and my relationship with myself is healthier, and my relationship with other people is healthier. So I wanted to at least share that as a last podcast for the First Responder Psychological Support Podcast. I hope it's great food for thought. I will continue to speak to first responders as well as the general population that I have seen in Florida and on the new podcast, Mindset. And again, you should be able to find that the same way that you uh, get this podcast. And one other thing I want to mention is Marsha Linehan. And her name is spelled L-I-N-E-H-A-N. Marsha Linehan did extensive work in developing an understanding of borderline personality disorder and DBT, the therapy that I'm talking about in this podcast. And she has some great YouTube videos. So if you want to look up distress tolerance, emotion regulation, mindfulness, interpersonal effective skills, um, if you type in her name with, you know, whatever idea you're searching for in YouTube, Uh, there's just a great set of lessons. They're little mini lessons or mini podcasts with videos. The other thing you can do is type it in Google and choose images. And there's different worksheets that cover a lot of this information as well. So I hope that this is helpful for you. I really look forward to um, doing this next podcast called Mindset. Uh, and I hope to do it more frequently so that we have a great connection about, you know, all the counseling topics that we love. And I'll remind you that my name is Sarah Gura. I'm a master's level licensed clinical professional counselor in Illinois, a licensed mental health counselor in Florida. The self-care path is my practice where I treat first responders And my website is the www.selfcarepath.com. And we do have a Facebook page finally at SCP Florida. I am on LinkedIn, but just as myself, uh, as Sarah Gura. And I am Sarah with an H. So um, email is the same. Phone numbers are all the same in case you need to reach out or connect in any way. And I wish everyone the best. And again, I hope to see you in the next podcast and I'll tell you to take good care, to stay safe and to do life so it doesn't do you. All right. Bye-bye.